Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 15, titled, A Short Story About Love. Wow, what a, what a creative title. Hey, uh, uh, we're, we're doing an episode of Fringe this week, uh, and it's gonna be a short story about love. Great. What's it gonna be called? Uh, a short story about love? Cool. Better than nothing. Why not? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's such an uncreative title. But anyway... All joking aside, this is a very, very good episode. There's a lot going on here. A lot of different plot lines to parse through. Uh, We'll, of course, start with, like, the more micro fringe case of the week deal. So, in this episode, we are hunting down a man who is killing dudes, sucking out their pheromones, and then using them to make a chemical compound that he uses on himself, the idea of which is to then make the wives of the dudes he just killed fall in love with him. And then when that doesn't work, he kills them. So yeah, that's where we're at now. (laughs) Like, this... Man, it's a really great idea. They really up the creep factor on this thing. Like, it is a very... It's a very dark idea. It it sort of feels like this sci-fi horror Me Too story. And it's amazing. Honestly, I think it might be a few years ahead of its time. Like, we were at least a half a decade out from the Me Too movement when this episode aired. So... Like, you'd expect a story like this to happen in 2020. You'd expect a story like this to be told in 2020. But they did this in what, 2012? So, they were ahead of the curve on this. Uh, But it's very well done. Very simple story, but very, very effective. And I just want to spend time talking about this killer... He is the creepiest dude on the goddamn planet. Every second he's on screen, he just... Ugh, like, he he just really sends chills down your spine. Everything from the way this dude acted, to what he's doing, to his face. God, his face! Like, they did something really great. Where they had this guy's face all mangled and, like, scarred. It looked like he has, like, a lot of burns on his body. And they never explain where it came from. There's never a moment where they're like, this dude had an accident. This dude, uh, was born all effed up. Like, they never have an exposition dump like that. They're just like, yeah, this dude's face is effed up. 
We're not going to mention it. We're not going to call attention to it. Instead, it's just going to go along as if nothing's wrong. And for some reason, that just ups the creep factor. For some reason, that just makes you uneasy even more. Like, it's it's great. They did a great job of making a genuinely terrifying villain. Uh, that, that opening sequence uh, with the woman coming back from her husband's funeral and then the thing happens is great, is really, really fantastic and really, really creepy. Excellent, uh... Excellent lead-in for this episode. Uh, that really insanely tense sequence in the park where he's just watching people. Uh, it selects a couple, offers to take their picture, and you can see, this is my next target. <laughs> but then you realize that they have a kid with him, and then he's like, oh, guess not. And then he just goes to another one and does the exact same thing. Like, it's just, oh, God. This this dude will show up in my nightmares. <laughs> he really, really will. Uh, and this goes on. We have, like, standard investigation. There's nothing particularly special about the investigation stuff. It's a typical, oh, we're examining the bodies. There's this chemical. Oh, we're breaking down the chemicals. Oh, there's this one thing that's... Unique to this one deal, and uh, there's only a few places that carry it. Da, 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 da. Oh, one of them fired a dude for theft. Like, there's nothing particularly brilliant about the investigation stuff. Like, this is an episode that puts all of its weight behind creeping you out. This is an episode that puts all of its weight behind creating a compelling villain and having him do something so creepy, so scummy, so perverted that you just really are just on edge the entire time. And in that way, they handle it spectacularly. Uh, And then they do a really clever twist where eventually they find this guy's lab. They find that he's already killed a dude. They're like, oh, he's married, his wife must be the next target, and they spend a while just, like, at this woman's house, waiting for the killer to show up, and then they're like, he's not showing up. And the way this woman's talking about her husband, they don't seem particularly in love, and we know this guy goes for people who are, like, way, way, way in love. And then they put two and two together and realize, wait a minute... Was this dude having an affair? And have we been at the wrong house this entire time? And that twist is so clever. That twist is so good. And I really, really love that. And so they go over to this other woman's house. They find out from the wife who the other woman is. And you see him, like, mid-failure... In getting this pheromone concoction to work. And Olivia catches this dude. And what really cements this dude as among the creepiest episodic villains Fringe has ever had. Is this scene where he's in the cop car and Olivia's like, do you have any idea how much pain he caused? And he goes on this monologue of saying, I didn't do it just for me. 
We're not meant to be alone. I just wanted love. I wanted what everyone else has. And he points out, like, I want what you have. I know you're in love. I can smell it. Like, he can smell when people are in love somehow. Like, just... This dude. And he's, like, justifying himself. And he's saying, like, when I perfected it... I would have given it to the entire world. And it's just like, uh, no. Like, just, God, this was, this really was, like, half a decade ahead of its time. Like, if this episode had come out during the height of the Me Too movement, everyone would have gone nuts for it. This, I I genuinely believe, like, if this had come out, like, five years later, this would be among Fringe's most celebrated episodes. Simply because of the subject matter it deals with in a very good way. And simply because of how creepy they make this guy. I cannot stress enough how creepy he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but while this is happening, we got the more macro stuff going on of Olivia continuing to have her memories overwritten. And Peter being distant because he believes he's the cause. Now... Because they're separated for pretty much this entire episode, this falls under two parallel plot lines, Olivia and Peter. I'll talk about Olivia first, simply because not as much happens on that end. Basically, Olivia reveals to Nina that not only is she getting memories from the the original timeline, she's also having her alternate timeline memories overwritten and her alternate timeline memories are slipping away. Obviously, this is not good news for Nina, because Nina is literally Olivia's foster mom in this timeline. And Olivia's, like, forgetting all of that. And so, Olivia's kind of a little... For the first time, she is kind of on edge because of that, because she doesn't want to lose that. Um, So, she talks to Walter and is like, hey, can we figure out how to reverse this, blah, 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 blah. And then she hears this woman, the wife of this dude who died, talk about how there's a difference between loving someone and being in love and how she wasn't in love and kind of resigned herself to whatever. And it is at this moment that Olivia decides, you know what? Like, the memories that are being, that I'm being overwritten with, the memories from the original timeline, those are from a better version of me, a version of me who was fully in love with Peter, and she decides to sort of let this take its course. Uh, And there's this great moment with Nina where she's sitting down and telling her, like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And Nina's just like, okay, uh, well... I want to encourage happiness in my child. Uh, How long do we have? And and Olivia basically tells Nina, like, hey, look, if a moment comes and I forget what we had, try to build something with me. Don't give up on me. Um, Like, just these essentially last moments of her remembering that Nina's her foster mom. It's... It's great. It's a really, really good storyline. And then we have everything happening with Peter. In the aftermath of his 
little meeting with the Observer and in the aftermath of just saying, no, I don't want to be a near Olivia at all. So he's on his way to New York. He's going to get a bus to New York. And then Walter calls saying like, hey, I slowed down uh, some surveillance video from the lab uh, from when the Observer sort of blinked out of nothing. And uh, first off, September got taken by other observers. Second, I think September put something in your eye. And so Peter comes back. Walter examines him. And while they're having this great conversation about how, like, Peter's officially a better man than Walter because he had the strength to leave, whereas Walter wouldn't have put in that situation... Like, Walter actually says, you're a better man than I, and Peter's like, wow, uh, man, be a better man than your father, that's something my, uh, mother always said to me, but never expected you to say it. That's weird. Uh, but, uh, Walter lifts this little thing from his eye that is basically just writing up an address that, if left inside Peter's eye, would have dissolved into his brain and given him a subconscious desire to visit. Like, he had to go there, had to go there, had to go there, had to go there. That's what would have happened. Uh, But he goes to this address, which leads to a little uh, apartment, a little observer apartment, which leads to a little tracking device, which takes him to one of these damn cylinders. Remember from, like, way back when we first met September... And that cylinder showed up. Michael Kelly tried to get it from him. Yeah, one of those pops up again. And he's examining it, examining it, examining it. And eventually he activates it. And it brings back September. It makes September appear in Peter's house. And September reveals, like, hey, thank you. I need you to get that beacon because, by the way, it is a beacon. We now know this cylinder is a beacon for observers. And basically, September is like, yeah, thanks for bringing me back. Uh, They locked me out of the universe. They hid the universe from me. The Observer's punishment for September, for him not fully erasing Peter from existence, was literally, hey, you know the universe? You know all of existence? Yeah, leave that. Leave the universe. Imagine if you did something, if you did something wrong, and your punishment was exile from everywhere. (laughs) Like, you couldn't be anywhere. Like, that, oh my god, that is insane. That is absolutely (laughs) insane. Like, I, if you really think about that for, like, more than five seconds, it's super effed up. Like, it's super... Like, it's excessive. I'm going to be honest with you. I I get that September, like, kind of destroyed the timeline. But also, like, really? Like, the entire universe? You're going to exile him from everything? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, But it's at this moment 
that September reveals to Peter, hey, idiot, you're not going, quote-unquote, back to your timeline. This is the same timeline. We didn't yank you out. The machine didn't yank you out of your timeline and drop you in another. It rewrote the timeline. It's altered. So you are home. You don't have to go home. You are home. I have watched you for half a season be a complete idiot about this. You are in the right place. This is your home. That is your Olivia. Shut up about, I need to get home, I need to get home, I need to get home. You're an idiot. No, you had it right the first time. I literally told you last episode, she is your Olivia. And you were like, yeah, but how do I get back? Like, just... Idiot, you're stupid, you're a dumb man, and you're in the right place, shut up, stop whining, you literally got removed from existence and put back together again, be happy. (laughs) He doesn't say it in as many words, but you can feel it. Like, if, if September could feel frustration, he'd probably express it. He'd probably express it a lot. And September's explanation for this... First off, he says there is no scientific explanation. Which immediately... It's a great line because then it's immediately like, Hey, Fringe fans. Go nuts. Go wild on your fan theories. (laughs) Say whatever the hell you want. It'll probably work. Uh, which I love that. This is this is one of the things I love about Fringe. Like, they say, they give just enough definitive answers for the entire story to be satisfying, while withholding just enough to allow uh, those who want to, to sort of connect the dots and fill in the blanks and all that. Like, it's great. It, it's great in that. Like, it trusts its audience in a way very few network shows do. Anyway. September's explanation is that After Peter was erased, the people you left behind didn't want to let you go. And you didn't want to let them go. Which, by the way, it's pretty damn close to what I actually believe is the case. Remember, way back uh, when Peter was not quite there yet, but almost there? Uh, Chadwick Boseman, R.I.P., uh, gave Olivia the theory, hey, uh, you sure you're not doing this to yourself? You sure you're not bringing this entity who we don't know is Peter yet, but we're gonna find out in a few minutes is Peter? Uh, you sure you're not bringing him to yourself through Cortexafan? Like, you sure that's not the case? And... I I think a large part of it is Olivia's Cortexa fan. And then, like, and then Peter's subconscious would, like, reach out to Olivia and Walter because the bond was strong between Peter and Walter as well. But I think a large part of the, of the bringing Peter back was Olivia's Cortexa fan and her subconscious desire because they made it very clear pretty much everyone had a subconscious, hey... I feel like something's weird, something weird's going on. I feel like 
something's not right. When the timeline got altered, pretty much everyone had that. Like, Walter did say, I think in the very first episode of this season, man, is it just me or does something feel different? Like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but something doesn't feel right. Like, there was like almost this subconscious knowledge that the timeline got altered. There was a subconscious, like, feeling that the timeline got altered. And Walter knew it because of such a strong emotional bond with Peter, and Olivia had that only amplified by her Cortexafan. Honestly, while while Walter and Olivia definitely had a subconscious knowledge that something was wrong, and a subconscious yearning to yank Peter back into this timeline... I don't think it would have been as strong. I don't think it would have been enough to bring Peter back, if not for Olivia's Cortexafan. Like, that Cortexafan amplified the already subconscious perception of something's not right, bring Peter back. And then, like, Peter already being, like, floating in the ether because, like, I have a theory that because... Peter's erasure, like, wasn't, like, a natural altering of the timeline. Like, it wasn't, like, a paradox correcting itself. It was the machine just lashing out, doing that reciprocal deal that I've talked about. I have a theory that because it was not natural, then it didn't take and it left those cracks that, like, Walter and Olivia could subconsciously pull and Peter could subconsciously pull while he was floating in the ether and for the Cortexa fan to amplify further, thereby, like, bringing Peter back entirely. Like, I, I think there's a lot at play here. There is a lot at play. And I could spend an hour, like, talking about the mechanics behind, uh how Peter came back into this timeline. But again, like, this entire door opens for anyone to say anything about this when September says the line, there is no scientific explanation. Like, you could fill in the blank with literally anything you want, and it's all just as valid because... There is no scientific explanation. Like, that line, that one line is literally the show telegraphing to the audience. Go nuts with your fan theories. Say whatever the hell you want. It all probably works. But anyway, yeah, this episode's great. And then, like, Peter returns to Olivia and they have this nice little embrace. And they're they're back. They're fully reunited. And everything's great. And everything's cool. And definitely nothing will ever go wrong between uh, the two of them because of outside forces ever again. Their lives will be happy forever and there will never be any weirdness in their lives ever again. Wait, um... Okay, uh, I, I, I was, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just now getting over my, uh... My headset here. I'm just now being told. Uh, apparently there is... Seven more episodes in this season. And then another 13 episodes after that. 
Every single one of which will contain all the weirdness, and every single one of which is going to cause all the problems. So there's that. Uh, well, not the first time I'm horribly wrong. Anyway, <laughs> solid episode all around. Uh, if you like this, fifth podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash TomsClark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly by Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 16. Talk to you then.